Thursday, October 20th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross. Guys, good to see you. Chris, how are you? We have earnings from Nokia and eBay, and comments from the ever-quotable Steve Ballmer from Microsoft, and we have a couple of listener emails we will get to. The big story today is the death of Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, obviously, we will focus on the business piece of this. Uh, Libya exports around 85% of its oil to Europe, and estimates are that it could be more than a year uh, before the production levels get back to where they were before the Civil War. So, Ron, I'll just start with you. Um, in terms of what this means for investors, what do you make of this? In the near term, it's hard to say because there's a lot of moving pieces here, and nothing has stabilized yet. We need to move towards stabilization. A new government has to be put in place. A lot of this production has kind of been shut down or curtailed, so we need companies to come back in at some point. That will rate increase supply. That should lower prices in the longer term, a year plus down the road. Joe, what do you think? Short-term good news, it should help lower mm. oil prices. Oil prices respond uh, poorly to scary indecision, and when things are certain, they go down, and, and that's good for consumers. Mm. Uh, Medium-term total toss-up because it's going to be well before production comes back online, and there's a lot of political uncertainty still. Uh, Long-term, there are a lot of suppliers of oil, and people kind of forget, and this will ultimately be a speed bump in the long view of oil production. Are there a couple of oil stocks that are particularly effective uh, one way or the other uh, on this story? I don't think so. None, none that spring to mind. I mean, anyone who's particularly levered to the price of oil, so like your deep water drillers, like a Transocean, for example, all of them are going to respond in a pretty bouncy way to oil, new, oil news back and forth. Run. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, across the board, you know, they're going to either be the beneficiaries or not of lower (laughs) oil prices um, or higher oil prices if if this transition goes poorly. But I don't think it really is going to have – it's not going to be the end-all and be-all of effects. It's going to be smoothed out over time. Okay. But you know what it is? Good news. It is is not bad news. news. Yes. That Gaddafi is gone? Yes. You know, he, he, he never made it to general, did he? Just, uh, just as people shit. figured out how to spell his name, whether a Q, a K, a G, it's yeah. over. Yeah. All right, let's move on to earnings. Um, Nokia reported earnings, net sales down 13%, but shares are up today. Uh, Ron, what's the story here? Just when you thought they were in the throes <laughs> of... Um, so they they lost money, which is not bad, not good, but things were better than expected. And they're getting it done in the lower-end phones. They're still way losing the battle on the high-end smartphones. But mm. they, they, they sell themselves a decent amount of low-end phones. And let's not forget, they still are the number one mobile phone manufacturer by volume in the world. It's um, easy to forget that, though. It is very easy to forget that. The, the world is now really... Th- turning towards ne- next week's unveiling of the Microsoft-Nokia partnership yep. to see what that looks like. That's gonna no, be- it's not. <laughs> the world is hung up on the 4S. <laughs> I, I, I'm, really, I'm really interested in seeing what, because uh, we do we own Microsoft, actually, not Nokia, and Million Dollar Portfolio. So I am interested to see what, what the unveiling of that phone looks like. Joe? Yeah, I think Nokia is definitely not out of the woods here. I mean, smartphone sales fell off a cliff for them in this quarter, and Getting there by selling low-end phones is not a viable long-term solution. Like right now, they have competitive edges on distribution, reach, and a brand, but they're going to keep getting eaten up at the low end, and pursuing that strategy is a losing one in the long yeah, run. It's a commodity business yeah. when all is said and done, and so that, that's not where you want to be. Ron mentioned Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer had some 
frankly, some really great comments at the Web 2.0 uh, uh, conference on Wednesday. Um, he said, quote, you don't need to be a computer scientist to use a Windows phone. I think you do to use an Android phone. Uh, Joe, you're the the Google expert at the table. Is, I got is, a lot of snarky comments on this one. Is, is that a fair is that a fair comment by? Well, I'll just Mr. put Bomber? it this way: Android has the leading market share among smartphones, and I know one person with a Windows phone. Uh, they have virtually no market share to speak of. No one is developing around it. Nothing. No traction. So, how do they get traction? I mean, is this you know unveiling with Nokia next week going to help them at all? Like, how how do they get traction against Android? And frankly, how do they get traction against the iPhone? I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but I'm not extremely <laughs> hopeful. Um, there's a lot of competition out there. It's very hard to penetrate these these. Um, markets that are already established and people have their favorites. If, it, if it's a great product, I mean, the people that do have Windows phones really like them. Um, we'll have to see, you know, what makes it different and what would drive a person to, to wanting to own one of those phones in, instead of the iPhone that we probably all own. Uh, Microsoft said that uh, its Mango uh, mobile operating system is uh, going to be available soon for n- nearly everyone. Um, our colleague Charlie Travers is actually uh, pretty optimistic about um, the prospects for Mango. What do you think, Joe? I think the Nokia partnership is all upside for Microsoft because it's a really good chance for them to get distribution for the operating system. I still think they're playing out of a huge hole here. Uh, developers love developing really cool apps and programs and experiences for Android and the iPhone because they're two big platforms. People, developers, aren't as enthused for Windows phones, and that's going to be a really tough thing to change. And they've tried to change that, and they've been very proactive on courting developers, but, you know, color me very skeptical that this is going to be a meaningful success. But, oh, go yeah, ahead. We've said time and again that Microsoft stock looks cheap um, without this as a, as a big success. If this does end up being a big deal, well, then it's a no-brainer to own Microsoft stock at these levels. Joe, you mentioned the apps. Bomber um, said that Microsoft was essentially winning um, when it came to uh, apps versus Google. Um, in fact, I, I think he you know, was channeling his inner Charlie Sheen. He was just like, we're winning, winning, winning. Yeah, winning is very relative here. <laughs> but I, I think what he was talking about was... Uh, so he should have used finger quotes? Yeah, that, that's always helpful in these yeah. kinds of situations. Palmer's not a finger quote guy. <laughs> he, no. he, he lays it out there. No. Yeah, I think what he was talking about was the doc side. So not apps like in the App Store that you buy for your smartphone, but talking about Google Apps at the enterprise level. So basically the Google version of Microsoft Office. And Microsoft Office is still very popular, and they're having a lot of success there and probably will for a long time. Google isn't. I think that's what he was speaking to. And in defense of Microsoft, that is a great cash-rich franchise. It's going to treat them very well for a long time eBay's latest earnings grew 14% in the third quarter, but shares are down so far today. Why the fall? Well, this was the first time in a long time that eBay missed on earnings. I guess this is the trend with these longtime tech darlings. Uh, It happened earlier, Apple, earlier this week. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fundamentals here, to me, look great. Uh, The marketplace business grew about 14%. PayPal grew revenue 32% in the quarter, which is the fastest acceleration it's had in three years. Um, I think it's firing on all cylinders. The fourth quarter guidance was kind of soft, and you know analysts are going to punish you for that. But I think when you look further out than one quarter, yep. and you look a couple years down the road, several years down the road, that this business is executing well, and especially PayPal is setting them up to make a lot of money for a long time. Right. 
Yeah, they're also spending heavily on things like marketing, and there's a lot of acquisitions that are getting integrated into the business, and that can sometimes obscure the current quarter's financial statements. Um, so, you, you do, uh, as Joe said, you, you've got to look down the road to see, you know, where the spending and how it drives the business and wh- how each acquisition fits in to the product offering. And, and I think I agree with Joe that things look pretty good. One of the things we've seen uh, throughout 2011 is uh, companies starting to spin off parts of their business. Um, does PayPal make more sense for eBay in-house, or do they get even more value if they spin it off somehow? So in the short term, and I would say that's over like two years, it makes sense in-house. And that's because eBay can keep fostering getting PayPal out there. So they just bought GSI Commerce, which is a site that, or it's a company that basically hosts other people's retail sites. Mm -hmm. And through that relationship, they're getting PayPal on a lot more sites. More merchants brings more users, which brings more spending. It's a big network effect. Now, I think that a couple years from now, it makes sense to let it go. And the reason is that the big daddy online retailer, Amazon, is never going to buddy up with PayPal while PayPal is still under the eBay umbrella. Okay. So for now, it makes sense. But a few years down the road, PayPal should be its own business, and it'll allow it to take on more business, and it'll just create more value for everybody. Got an email uh, from one of our listeners regarding our discussion uh, on yesterday's podcast of Apple's earnings. Uh, Roy Harvey in Beacon Falls, Connecticut writes, You failed to say that Apple met their own targets, only missing analyst targets. It would have added some clarity. That, that's that's a fair point. I mean, they did meet their own targets. Um, fair, but they they also <laughs> notoriously no lowball their own targets. Yeah, Apple Apple is sandbagging is is the commonly used term where they they underestimate. They would probably say they're being conservative, um, and and they typically just smack the ball out of the park with respect to their own estimates. Um, but well, isn't that a smart strategy for any company? Yeah, but it, it it comes once you know that they're doing it all the time, then it kind of becomes meaningless. The guidance um, and and analysts know that they have to you know go go up from those, and whether they went a little too high this time or not. It, quarterly earnings are tough. I mean, I don't even do quarterly earnings when I look at companies. I'm looking at a year, two, five years into how a company can generate free cash flow. Quarterly earnings, to me, really, first of all, it's very hard to get it right. Most analysts don't. And it, it doesn't really mean anything. It, it's playing a game of stock prices moving up and down on a given week instead of looking at longer term. I'm happy that people do, though, because it creates opportunities for those of us <laughs> who are willing to look further yeah, out. Agreed. So if you're an Apple shareholder, what should you be most concerned about uh, of these three? Um, Google and Android, uh, Amazon and the launch of the Kindle Fire, and just this whole notion of expectations, whether it's analysts or you know internal. Well, well, definitely not any of the, the analytical kind of estimate things. Um, you know, obviously the loss of Steve Jobs continues to be a concern. I don't think it's a concern in the very near term, but mm-hmm. down the road perhaps. And and Amazon is a formidable competitor, really going after the kind of the the ecosystem that Apple has, uh, the combination of the phone with iTunes. Amazon is doing it with their App Store and the Kindle, and now the new Fire. So there is a lot of competition out there. The good thing is that Apple is not priced to perfection from a stock perspective. Uh, we think if they can just grow maybe 12% revenue over the next five years, the stock is really a $500 stock, not a $400 stock. Um, so it's not priced for some kind of crazy growth. Joe, what do you think? I would say Android is the big threat there because smartphones, the iPhone is their bread and butter. And I think 
the iPad is, I think they get a bigger lead on that and they'll maintain it for longer, but they do have a lot of intense competition there too, not just from Amazon, but remember Amazon's platform actually runs on Android too. So there's a little robot hiding underneath there. You've got your own iPad. Are you going to be shelling out some cash for the uh, Kindle Fire? Probably not. I'm pretty darn (laughs) happy with my iPad, and I think I'll hang on to it for a long time. Finally, an email from Justin Peters who writes, Like Joe, I am a bacon fiend. I wanted to recommend that the other folks on the show perhaps should get Joe for the holidays a gift that my dear sister, who is secretly trying to kill me, I suppose, gave me on my birthday last December, the Bacon of the Month Club. That's right. You can have gourmet bacon delivered directly to your front door on a monthly basis. As a fellow connoisseur of the porcine uh, delicacy that is bacon, you would certainly enjoy this. Keep up the good work, Justin. Nice. Uh, have you ever? Because let's face it, Ron and I are not putting our money together. We're not getting you a gift for the holidays, whether it's this or anything else. Although, happy birthday! You're, you're big yeah, thank right. there. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Joe just celebrated a birthday. But I mean, bacon, bacon of the month club—is that something you'd be interested in? Yeah, that'd be great. I understand. I mean, I'm not getting you guys anything either <laughs> for the holidays, so don't worry about it. But yeah, maybe I'll sign up for it. All right, Joe Mager. It's a good tip, Ron Gross. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank Chris. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Be sure to check out the Motley Fool Money radio show this weekend. That's Motley Fool Money on iTunes, online, and on radio stations across America. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Please don't forget to vote at podcastawards.com. Only one week left in the voting. You can vote every day. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.